I have done something that I that I do quite often, and that is I picked a subject, prepared a Bible study that I know that I'll not be able to finish. Next Thursday evening, I will be in Eau Claire because we start our minister's quest retreat, which will go through um, Saturday noon. All the ministers of our congregation, if you could possibly attend, this I think would be very profitable. We have Brother and Sister Grisham with us. Sister Grisham will be talking with the ladies quite extensively, a good number of sessions. Brother Grisham will be ministering to the ministers. And then we have Brother DeHart that will be there, and he will be the speaker on Thursday evening and Friday evening. Actually, he'll be speaking both, I think Brother Grisham and Brother DeHart will be speaking both evenings. They'll just have a, a slotted time of 45 minutes or so. And there will be day sessions all day Friday and up until, well, afternoon, actually, on Saturday. The reason why I wanted to make reference to this, if I don't get to finish it, I, I just trust that you will take enough interest in what I am giving to you to study this out. It, uh, it's, a, it's a very fascinating subject. I started teaching Sunday morning on on separation and such and said that I would do the same Sunday night and read my text and never followed the lesson. I, I felt definite direction from God to change what I was going to, to speak on, uh, and that I did. And I'm glad that I did. I made a statement at the end of, of uh, my message that I still hadn't followed my notes. And when one got started and and the Lord just really talked to me. We have with us tonight Dave Murray. And uh, as I started to speak, after I had told you I would finish the the Sunday morning study, the Lord really spoke to me and told me that Dave wanted to be saved. And I took that as an indication from the Lord to just just rear back and preach. All of which I did. And I just really started preaching. And after service, I know Brother Thomas came up. We started talking. He said, well, you, you didn't seem to follow what you were Sunday morning. I told him what the Lord had told me. And I said, I want to go back and talk with Dave. I did go back, and I said, Dave, I want to speak with you. And I talked with him. He said, Brother Grant, I never had anything to hit me so hard. It was like a, a ton of bricks that came down. It just, just hit me. And uh, he said, I really want the Holy Ghost. So... Monday evening at 10 o'clock, we baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to pray that the Lord will fill him with the Holy Ghost here tonight. Praise God. Wouldn't that be great? <clears throat> Praise God. So I didn't get to finish that, but nevertheless, some things you just have to move on to something else and leave them there for, for a while. So we kind of put that on the back burner, and we'll let it cook for a while, and maybe it'll get better with age. God's Word's always good. I want to speak to you tonight on the difference between trials, the wrath of God, and chastisement. Now that's a big, that's covering a big area. So if you'll turn with, to me with Hebrews 
to Hebrews 12. I hope I can get this all out. <clears throat> I thought Brother Downey was speaking tonight, see. Brother George called and said that he couldn't be able to speak. He was sick. Well, I looked on the schedule and I said, well, he's not supposed to be speaking anyway. Brother Downey is. And uh, the truth of the matter is, I, I worked hard up until dark with uh, several brothers of the church putting a, a roof on a house. And then I got to thinking, well, maybe Brother O'Neill and Brother Downey switched. Seemed like I heard something about that. So I called, and Sister Downey says, oh, yes, said Brother O'Neill. Brother Downey switched, so Brother O'Neill's speaking tonight. And I said, well, where is Brother Downey? She said, I don't know. I went to pick him up, and he wasn't there. So uh, <clears throat> that's another story. We won't get into that, I guess. I don't know what it was, but it sounds like maybe... It's another story. But uh, at any rate, I, I, I looked at my watch and I said, wow. Well, we want to just talk to you tonight. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not prepared. I am very well prepared to go for some time. This is a Bible study that I put together some time ago and wanted to teach it. Did not have the opportunity to teach. Uh, the reason why that I feel that this is so important is because Every now and then a Christian will have a problem. Sometimes they don't really know what the Lord's trying to say. And they, they, they cannot differentiate between a regular trial, the wrath of God, and the chastisement of the Lord. Now, the wrath of God is something that is kindled against people. It comes as a result of certain things that people do. Consequently, <clears throat> when it happens, the wrath of God comes as a result of anger of God. Chastisement comes as a result of certain things that people do wrong. But at the same time, it does not come as a result of the, the anger of the Lord. But it comes as a result of the concern of God as a father upon his children. And then trials come to all people of all walks of life. And for the most part, they're not related at all to what you have or have not done. But they come as a result. They, they come, and then as a result of their coming, uh, if you respond correctly, you become extremely strong in the faith. Now, we want to get into this and, and uh, <clears throat> cover as much of this as we, we possibly can. Now, from Hebrews 12, uh, we will start reading. I don't want to start with verse 1 because we'll be covering a lot of, lot of scriptures. <clears throat> uh, let's... Start with uh, verse 3. For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. So you can see that the chastisement that comes 
uh, <clears throat> it comes with a rebuke. Now that simply means God does talk to you. Your conscience usually smites you and hurts you. When the wrath of God is kindled against people, usually God speaks to somebody else to speak to you because He can't get through to you. Whereas in a trial, many times God doesn't speak to anybody. Now we'll go into that uh, <clears throat> a little bit more a little later on. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with, dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. That simply means that, that your birth into the kingdom of God was illegitimate. And he said, that's not true. All of you were legitimately born in the kingdom of God, and God's going to take care of you. In other words, what he's saying is there comes a time when, when God must take corrective measures against you. If you're, if you're doing something wrong, he's going to do that. But as, as, as a father would normally do when he corrects, you see, 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 correcting is not just spanking. Because, you know, if you just ran out and grabbed up a child and spanked that child, and you didn't sit the child down and tell the child what was going on, he would not know what to correct. Isn't that true? And, and sometimes... Uh, of fathers and mothers, seeing something has been done and catching it maybe hours later, especially for infants, and spanking them without the, the child really uh, being communicated to by the angry parent. Sometimes the child just doesn't really know what's going on, so he doesn't associate the pain with wrongdoing. And it, it is very, very necessary. If, you, if you've ever tried to train a puppy, have you ever tried to housebreak a dog? And uh, this is, uh, I guess, a, a good example, but <laughs> I don't know if it's an appropriate one. But uh, <clears throat> the only way that you can train a, a puppy is to catch him in the act of wrongdoing and correct him while it's still in his mind. Well, you've got to talk to him. He's got to know what's happening. Usually when the wrath of God comes, it comes as a result of, of you not listening for a long period of time. And because that you haven't listened, you're not in any position to listen because people with carnal minds cannot always hear God. And, and usually some situation comes upon you and God speaks to somebody else or speaks through His Word to get to you because you just are not in tune with God enough to hear from Him. And when you are just going through a trial like Job went through, 
Usually the heavens are just shut up like brass and nothing ever happens and nobody ever says anything. It's just a trial of your faith. And the trial of your faith does what? It worketh patience. Now, let's, uh, let's uh, go to, to uh, 1 Corinthians 10. And we'll talk about <clears throat> the wrath of God. And then we'll talk about trials a little bit. First Corinthians 10 starts out by talking about the Red Sea and how that all of Israel, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> somebody said, do I want a cough drop? You think I could teach with a cough drop in my mouth? <clears throat> would you allow me? <clears throat> would you allow? <clears throat> Hallelujah. <clears throat> this is going to be a first for me. Wow. It's sugar free. It's sugar free. <clears throat> <clears throat> uh. Let's lift our... Uh, <clears throat> would you lift your hands and praise the Lord? Thank you, God. Lord, we do love you, God. <clears throat> Jesus, we worship you, God. <clears throat> this must be a trial. <clears throat> First Corinthians 10 starts out by speaking of the way in which the Israelites were baptized by Moses in the Red Sea and also by the way of the cloud and the, the fire. It also speaks of them following the Lord. Now all of these things happen as a result uh, to teach us a lesson, the Bible says, and that is found in verse 11. Now, you notice what happens in verse 9. He says, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Now the wrath of God is kindled against people because of them tempting the Lord. Now how do you tempt God? Now the Bible says that the Lord cannot be tempted. Is that what the Bible says? Now that simply means that, that what you do, you make an attempt to accomplish something that's not the will of God and you want to accomplish it to the point in which God looks down and says, now wait a minute, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm just plain not going to let you do it. Because what you're doing is in violation of Christian principles. Now I don't care what your need ever is, the word of the Lord is forever settled and God will never, never, never overlook Christian principles to supply your need. Now, in the case here, uh, the Bible tells us what happens. The Bible says in verse 10, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. 
Now, can anybody tell me what this is making reference to? If you go all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy, or Numbers, pardon me. If you go back to the book of Numbers, you will be able to find out exactly what happened. In Numbers, the, the 21st chapter, verse 5, And the, speak, the people, the people, <clears throat> spake against God and against Moses. <coughs> Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. In other words, what they did was that, that they just said, uh, uh, they reached a place in which they lost faith in God. And we're not for sure why they lost faith in God. We don't know if their complaining spirit caused them to lose faith in God or if they lost faith in God and then they, they murmured and they complained. But you will find in the Scripture that uh, if, if you really want to make God upset and make Him upset in a hurry, all you have to do is develop a murmuring or complaining attitude. Now, I have found this out. For the most part, people, even people who are happy, genuinely happy in what they're doing, they look for things that are wrong. That's the nature of people. Now, you can't tell me otherwise because I've worked with people of the world and I work with you. Now, I just know that to be true. Now, there, there are times in which, uh, uh, you know, the first thing you're going to do is look for something wrong rather than what's good. Now, that's, that's our nature. Uh, if you would uh, turn with me to the, the book of James, we, we want to just talk a little bit about... Uh, uh, something here that, that I think is, is very, very valuable. Uh, <clears throat> James, the third chapter and the fourth chapter both deal with the, the method in which we control our tongue. And, and the evil of such is spoken of there. Now, we have gone through James before, and we've outlined this. We talk a lot about this in, in, in our Christian stewardship classes. There are ways in which you can, can determine whether you have faith or not. While faith seems to be something that's abstract or figment of the mind, uh, it is not uh, predicated only upon the imagination but because that it is a part of your mind and a part of your heart, uh, it's hard sometimes to tell if you have faith. Well, when you look in, in James, James will, will, will outline. He, he, he lays down some guidelines in which you, if you, fo if you follow these, and if this is habitual in your life, then, then you know you have faith. And also he talks about the test of brotherly love. If, if this is the way you habitually do things, in other words, if this is your custom, then, then you know that you have, have brotherly love. And if this is your custom, then you know that, that you are a, an obedient person. So the testing of faith is spoken of in, in verse 1 through verse 12 of chapter 1. Now, uh, <clears throat> you could go on through verse 21 there. 
the test of obedience. How do you know if you're obedient? Here's how you know. And, and, and verse 22 through 25, the test of true religion. Verse 26 through uh, verse 27, the test of brotherly love is found. The test of good works as they associate with faith is found in chapter 2, verse 14 through 26. Now, the test of true faith is found in verse 1 of chapter 3 all the way through verse 17 of chapter 4. So chapter 3 and chapter 4. Now what James is doing here, he's saying, now here's another way you can tell if you have faith. Now, if you are able to constantly control your tongue, this is conclusive evidence that you have faith in God. Now you wouldn't think that that had anything to do with it, would you? But as you read, oh my, there is so much found in, in this. Uh, let's start reading with verse 1. He says, My brethren, be not many masters, chapter 3, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Now many masters here is making reference to, don't be a know-it-all. In other words, don't claim to be the know-it-all of everything. Every now and then you'll find somebody, I don't care what you talk about, they know more than what you know. There are just some people that are that way. It doesn't make any difference what you say. And, and you know, if there's anything that really gets under my skin is to be talking to somebody, and then just look at me and say, nope, that's not right. And then you can change the subject, and you can start talking about fishing. Nope, nope, no, that's not right, nope. Well, then after a while, you get to thinking, well, maybe I should talk about something else. So, you know, it doesn't make any difference what you're talking about. You could be talking about baking biscuits or catching uh, Gila monsters in, in, in Arizona. They still know it all. It doesn't make any difference what you say. Now, that's what he's saying. Now, wait a minute. See, by the judgment you judge others by, ye shall be judged. And he says, now, be not masters in many things knowing that ye shall receive the greater condemnation. All right, uh, the second verse says, For in many things we offend all. Now, basically what he's saying is, now, if you're in leadership, if you are in leadership, there's going to be a time in which if a vote were taken, you would not receive enough votes to continue in leadership. That's just the way. Because there is a time in which you know, you're going to offend people. And there's a time in which you will be offended. In other words, <clears throat> it doesn't make any difference who you are and how well you try to control what you say. You're going to offend some people. It might be your fault and it might not be. Basically, you should try not to offend people. But sometimes you will. And when you do, you may have to go back and you may have to make amends for that. So all of us know this. And there will be times in which people will offend you. Now if somebody offends you, what are you going to do about it? Now see, that's what he's talking about. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Now, if you ever get to the point in which you never offend anybody, you're a perfect man. Now, this is what he does now. He said, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths 
that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeneth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, of birds, listen to what he's saying here, and of serpents, and of things of the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. Did you know you've got something in your mouth that uh, you can't tame? Isn't that what he's saying? That simply means then you have to keep it locked up. And that's what I, I get out of that. There, there's just a time in which you have to keep it locked up. And then when it is set loose, it is only set loose when it is bridled. Just like you put the bits in a horse's mouth. Now you wouldn't, you wouldn't, I don't care what kind of horse that you have. I don't care how domestic or how docile he is. Would you get on a horse and just ride him without any bits or rein? No. You wouldn't just get up and, and, and just spur him real good and say, giddy up and take out. But why? Because he might not go the direction you're talking about. So what the Bible is talking about when it speaks of bridling the tongue you see, the tongue cannot be tamed, so it has to be locked up. And when it's not locked up, it has to be under control. Now this gets to be pretty heavy, and it gets to be very condemning. It condemns me when I read this every now and then. You know, I get to feeling sorry for myself, and I just want to be condemned, so I just read this. But the tongue... <laughs> But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. And therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. In other words, what he's saying, listen to this. He said, isn't it strange we praise God with it, we turn around and curse men, but man was made after the similitude of God. Now he's talking about brothers. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings, my brethren. These things ought not so be. <clears throat> so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Now fountain here he's talking about, he's talking about a spring. You see a spring bubbling out of the water, out of the ground, artesian water spraying at its own force. You go up and you get a drink. Wow, this is great fresh water. 
you put it back underneath there for another drink and wow this thing it's one moment it's fresh water next moment it's bitter water salt water he said that, that doesn't happen so as a wise man and endureth with knowledge among you let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom but if you have bitter Envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. See, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. From where envying and strife is, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. What does entreated mean? Easy to be implored. That simply means that you can take your request to God or to any person who is a godly individual. And you can take your request. They may not grant that, but they'll listen to you. In other words, you need, to, you need to have a good ear to listen. And you need to be an understanding individual. It's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, if you read verse or chapter 4, you, 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 you get the same thing out of it all the way through. And what he's saying is that... that the, the, the summary of chapter 3 and 4 is this, that uh, true religion, or true faith, pardon me, true faith can be determined by an individual in direct proportion to his ability to control his tongue. Now, can you believe that? That's what he's saying. And you see what happened in the case of, of Moses back in and in, in the book of, <clears throat> of of Numbers, what happened back there was that uh, they began to murmur and complain against Moses. Now you see the ac- the accusation really was not against Moses; it was against God. You see, the reason why that God said, "You tempt me." See, oh, they, they didn't do anything but look at Moses and said, "You brought us out here to die, and we don't like this bread." We get up in the morning, it's manna. We go to bed at night, it's manna. It's manna, it's manna, it's manna. Six days a week, it's manna. And on the Sabbath day, we get manna also. We don't like this kind of business. And they said, did you bring us out here, Moses, to kill us? Well, basically what God is saying is, I chose this man. I put him over you. And you see, when you murmur and complain against him, you actually... Are you bringing an accusation against me? Now you may say, how does how does this compare then with uh, with with James? That's what he was saying over there in the book of James. What he was saying is, he said, "Isn't it strange? You praise God, and, and then there's a brother that's made in the in the image and the likeness of God, and you curse him." But he said. Please, please remember, this is what he's saying, that he's made in the likeness of God. In other words, he's been born again. 
Now, if this man's been born again, then what's the legitimacy in this? Why is God saying that? Why is James saying that? Because, you see, when Paul Crawford, when Sister Debbie, when all of these brothers and sisters were added to the family, I didn't choose them. God chose them. What he's saying, you're complaining against my choice. You see, we don't just go out and pick out who we want to be saved. God does that. Now, that's what he's saying. Now, as a result then, what people need to do, they need to take a careful look at themselves very often, all of us, in order for us to Keep the wrath of God off of us that comes about as a result of tempting God. We need to carefully examine ourselves and examine what we say. Now, <clears throat> do you remember in the scripture where it's, it says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord? Taken from the book of Hebrews. You remember that? Now, <clears throat> This business of holiness and peace, as much as possible, live peaceably among all men. What did Paul say? Study to be quiet. Have you ever heard of that? Now, the word study to be quiet here doesn't mean you just sit down and think about it for a long time. It means you make a diligent effort to keep your mouth shut sometimes. Now, all of us have reason to complain because all of us are capable of offending. I can offend you at times when I don't even mean to. And you, in turn, can offend me. Now, we all know that because that's the way the human race is. And that's what James was saying. We should try to bridle our tongue. We should do everything that we can do. But when there is a violation, we need to be very understanding. We will offend and we will be offended. And every man needs to study. I mean, he really needs to study to be quiet. He needs to understand that peace and holiness go hand in hand. He needs to understand that when he speaks against a brother or sister, he's passing judgment upon him, of which he will receive then the greater condemnation. Why? Because by the same judgment you judge others by, ye shall be judged. Now, <clears throat> this, is, this is a very serious thing. If you, want, if you want the wrath of God to be kindled against you, then just, just get into a habit of expressing yourself against everything that you don't like. Now, I've been, I've been with people that every time they didn't like something, they expressed it. Now, I have, I've got to say this, that I get into habits of doing that. But for the most part, I really try not to be disagreeable about everything. Now, I see things that I don't like. I see things I, you know, but if I went and tried to correct you every time I saw you doing something wrong, first place it would drive me insane. 
And secondly, I know that I would be rejected as pastor of the church. They're just little things about all of you that, quite frankly, get on my nerves at times. But I would say that if you, in the back of your mind, thought right now, you could say, well, that's also true of you, Brother Grant. Because you do things that get on my nerves. But you see, the, the Bible is saying, who gives us the authority, though, to start this business of trying to correct everything we disagree with? That's a, that's a serious thing. And this will bring about the wrath of God upon you faster than anything that I know of. Just disagreeing with everything, disagreeing with everything. I've even had some children that I, that I have talked with from parents in, in the in, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this we we for the most part we don't have any visitors here maybe some that don't come real often but but every now and then I, I'll talk with a young person and uh, the young person say well brother Grant but you don't know the times in our home in which our parents have criticized you uh, well that's quite an eye opener. Now, I understand then I do a lot of things wrong because I've been told, if not by some of you parents, by your kids. <clears throat> now, the truth of the matter is I don't let that worry me. Because if I let it worry me, I would probably be in the, the nut house before long. I just expect to do certain things that people don't understand. Now, you may say, well, then let's get into this a little deeper. Yeah, let's do that, okay? For an example, I cannot pass judgment upon everything you do because I don't have the full facts and details about everything you do. If I had access to all the information that you have, I might be as capable of making or passing judgment upon the situation as you. But... There are certain aspects of your life that God only puts you in control of. And you have the facts and you have the figures and I don't. And I have found this out. Usually, there are two sides to every story and sometimes three. Number one, your side. Number two, my side. And quite frankly, number three, the truth. And sometimes both parties can be wrong. And so, every now and then I'll make a decision. I'll make a decision that, that it, it involves people, it, it involves personnel. And, and I, I just have to stand up and make that decision. And, and I can't get out here and say, look, there's disciplinary action taken against Brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so for this, that, and the other. And you just have to say, okay, I don't have the facts and figures, so we have to leave that up to the individuals who have the facts and figures. Follow what I'm saying? Now you may say, why are you saying all this? I don't know of anything going around, buzzing around. So that's not why I'm saying this. I'm just, we're speaking to a lot of new people, and the worst thing that you could do 
is get in the habit of every time you saw something about a brother and sister that you disagreed with, that you went and opened your mouth and spoke to somebody else. If you want to make God mad and make Him mad in a hurry and put yourself in a position in which you cannot hear God, and you want the wrath of God kindled against you, you will do it in a hurry. Open your unabridged concordance, if you have one, Strong's, and look about the tongue. Look in the book of Proverbs. Look in the book of Psalms. Go to Jeremiah. Go to Ezekiel. Go to Daniel. Go to all the prophecies. Listen, the, the, the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. And you would be surprised and amazed what the Bible has to say about that. There's a lot in it. And you see what happened to Israel. They just said, well, I don't know about this. They were brought out of, they were brought out of, of Egypt. They were complaining over there because they were getting beaten. And then when they crossed the Red Sea and they were baptized, then they started complaining. Well, I guess he's brought us out here to just starve us to death. We seem to be going no place. We're walking around in circles. And God says, okay, if you don't think you're going anyplace, I'm going to let you march out here 40 years and show you that you're not. Isn't that what happened? And they murmured and complained. And, of course, as you very well know, in that particular day, the Bible tells us that the serpents came out and they began to destroy the Israelites. And how many of them were slain in, in uh, one day? I'm asking you because I it slipped my mind. Well, a good number of them, we'll put it that way, <laughs> several thousand of them were destroyed. And one day, Moses had to go put up the brazen serpent out there to ward off the snakes off of them. Now, this is usually the way that the wrath of God is kindled against you. That's just open your mouth and tempting God. Now, you don't always have to talk about a brother or sister. That's just one way in which you can do it. In other words, things could start, uh, maybe some little trial could go wrong or could happen in your life. God could put you in the trial and all of a sudden you just lose faith and, and then you begin to accuse God. Well, I just don't know what God's got in mind. Looks like He wants to keep me poor all my life. Well, you know that's not true. I've had people say that. Looks like God just wants me to be sick all my life. That's not true. Looks like just hard times are going to be my role in life. Really, what the, the how, why are you, how are you tempting God? You're, you're really saying, God, you mean to tell me that you're not powerful enough to watch over me? You mean to tell me you, you brought me this far to let me down? Amen? You, know, you, you have to watch what you say, even in your private devotion to the Lord. You've got to really watch what you say. That's a very, very important thing. Now, I believe in being honest with God. And I know that the Lord, can He knows your heart. But there are certain things that I, at, at certain times that I feel that I would never tell God. 
You might say, well, he knows. That's true. But, but you know, every now and then you'll have an individual that'll say something. You say, wait a minute. Now, why did you say that? Well, you're always supposed to tell the truth. Now, are you always supposed to tell the truth? You are when you tell, but you're not always supposed to tell. For only a fool speaketh all of his heart. That's what the book of Proverbs says. So there are certain things that every now and then you just better off not to even say at all. And I can't feature anybody who's been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, who's spoken with other tongues, danced in the Spirit, clapped his hands for joy, fellowship with the brothers and sisters, and attended an annual church banquet, and received all the good food of the brothers and sisters there, and saw all the nice slides that would stand up and say, Well, I don't know about this. <coughs> Do you? And... Really what you do, you, you put yourself, if God screamed in your ear, you couldn't hear Him. Because see, carnality is set into the point that God couldn't talk to you. So God usually sends somebody along and say, hey, you know, you're in bad shape. If God sends somebody along to, to, to talk to you, you need to sit down and listen to them. Because every now and then, God will send a, a spiritual leader by. And it may be earth shattering when that happens. But you need to listen. Now, let's move on to this area of chastisement. Now, in the area of chastisement, uh, chastisement comes as a result of, <coughs> of an individual who, they're not tempting the Lord, but just on a, on a quite regular basis, just because they're the children of the Lord, uh, uh, they, they develop attitudes and things that are not right. And because that they do not repent over those things, because that they don't make those things right with God, and they're not searching their heart the way that they need to search their heart, then God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to you about it, and at the same time, I'm going to slap your hand real good. And if you don't uh, listen this time, I might slap something else. Okay. Now, I, I know... I know of a few times in my life I could just, uh, I just remember one time in which I developed a bad attitude, and I told this, I've got a big on this all the time. And every now and then you'll find an individual who has a problem, and then they will seek somebody who had, who had a similar problem. And they feel that the two people who have had the similar problem can sit down and they can hash all this out. And I've seen that. It uh, happens many times. For the most part, if you've had a problem, if, and you need encouragement, you need to find somebody who's never had the problem like that and let them talk with you. Why? Because I found this out. Usually when you sit down with somebody, it usually goes like this. You go up and you say, you know, I'm having a real problem. And you, you tell them what that problem is, and they say, yes, honey, and I had the same problem too. Oh, I suffered for, you cannot believe the hours. Man, I was up day and night. And you know what happens? They both begin to live that thing. And then they get on the phone. Every break on the job or whatever. They call each other out. Let's talk about this again. Oh, yes, and this is what you've got to do. And that's what you've got to do. And before long, then they call in a third party. And they say, hey, we both need help now. 
Isn't that right? See, that happens. That happens real often. It happens real often. If, if you've got a problem and you need help, you need to find somebody like Job. Somebody who just in all of his troubles and trials, he kept praising the Lord and seeking the Lord and he was true to God. I, I know this, that, that every now and then, you, you know, there can be somebody that, that, that comes in the church that's having a problem with alcohol and, and you, you know, you go to a former alcoholic and the, the people who are, who are involved in alcoholism from the standpoint of Brother, uh, Brother Carl Adams who was here and, and, and Brother uh, Hyde. Uh, those men, they give their they give their testimony. But if, you know, if if you if you ever have access to read their letters, you're talking about a powerful, powerful, powerful uh, letter that that Brother Hyde writes. It, it, he said, "I know that that alcohol is bad, but what you need to do is get your mind off of how bad alcohol it is, and you need to get your mind on how big God." Is God's bigger than any bottle of booze that ever sat on a bar uh, table any place. God's bigger than all your troubles. He's bigger than all your trials. God's a God that's able to see you through. And you need to get out of the, the, the dumps that you're in. And, and you need to find a church where you can worship God. And, and a prayer where you can pray. And, and you need to find brothers and sisters who, who can hold you by the hand and lift you up. And, and when, you're, when you're getting bogged down in the quagmire of all the, the sin and iniquity that you've been in before, you need to go to a, a solid family somewhere. And you need to sit at the table. And you need to eat a meal at their table. And you need to talk to people that don't talk about alcohol. And you need to visit with people that's never drank before. And you need to get your mind off all of that stuff. Praise God. Praise God. I, I, I just think that they're giving some very solid advice. Praise God. I had my mind on something and it just plagued me for days. And I don't know why I had my mind on it. I just, I just kept my mind on this. The Lord talked to me about that. And I was up on the roof and I was doing some roofing. And uh, I was thinking about it, and the Lord said, Now, you shouldn't be thinking about that. And I said, Well, I even prayed. I said, that You're right, Lord. I'm going to get this off my mind. Before long, would you believe that, that I, was, I had spent a, a good hour there just roofing away, just whistling Dixie there, you know, just pounding the nails? And I was thinking about this again. And I reached underneath, and I, with a knife, I came down, and I came down the drip cap, and there was a splice in it, and it was like a, a knife itself, and it cut my hand right to the bone. You're talking about the blood pouring. And I took and I wrapped this thing up. I got, immediately got it in my car. I was losing a lot of blood. It was just bleeding and bleeding. My handkerchief just filled up with, with blood. I pulled my shirt off and left my undershirt on and put my shirt around this. And I headed toward the hospital. It was cut deep and bleeding. And you know, while I was going to the hospital, the, the Lord kept telling me, Now look, I told you not to be talking about this. Now you let this be a lesson to you. Now, you may think, well, Brother Grant, I think that's very, very bad. I don't know that God would ever do anything like that. Listen, you know, Jesus even went so far as to say, if thine hand offend thee, he said, cut it off. It's better for a man. It's better for a man to go to heaven with one hand than go to hell with two. If thine eye offend thee, 
He said, pluck it out. It's best for a man to go to heaven with one eye than go into hell with two. You see, Jesus Christ is concerned about my spiritual welfare. He's concerned about my, my, <clears throat> about my life. He's concerned about my happiness. He wants me to be uh, what, uh, what I ought to be. And Jesus doesn't want me to be bogged down all the time thinking about all these negative things and such. And, and, and I just took it that, that that thing, you know, they sewed it up and everything was fine. And, and, and uh, I just took it as, look, that, that, let that be a learning lesson to me. I want it to be a learning lesson. I, that's what I want. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. We've got to wrap this up here quickly. Now, <clears throat> he said, Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. In other words, you've got to constantly depend on God. God is your strength. Now, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. Now, he's talking about something different here. Now notice, these people were tempted. Now what they did, they responded, and the wrath of, they responded wrongly. The wrath of God was kindled against them. But now he's talking about something else. There have no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. So a temptation comes your way. You can respond, it brings the wrath of God upon you. Or you can respond in such a way that Hey, it's just like Job's trial. So, there's no wrath of God kindled against you. It's a test. It's a trial. And, and you keep praising the Lord. Uh, in, in a situation like this, you, you may never even hear from God. Just some, some problems coming your way. Some misfortune. Something happened to you. But you see, he said this. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. Did you notice in the trial that Job had, even when the devil came, God told him just what he could do and just what he could not do. Is that true? He said, now this is, this, this is what you can do, but you can't do that. The next time the Lord... Talk with Satan. He said, now you can do this, but still you can't do that. And he says, but with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So sometimes you just go through a trial as good as you can possibly be and as pure as you can be. The trial lingers. The best thing to happen to you could be a trial. The worst thing that could happen is for you to respond and tempt God when you're tried. That would bring the wrath of God upon you. Now, I don't think you always have to be in a trial, per se, that is hardships and such, to bring the wrath of God upon you. I think just through a normal, everyday, bad habit that you pick up of talking about spiritual leaders and talking about church members and people that you don't like. It's not even good that you're always just talking about people. It has been said, little people talk about people. 
and big people talk about things and concepts and ideas. If the bulk of your conversation is about people and the wrong people, I can assure you, you're, you're setting yourself up not just for a good slap from the Lord, but you're setting yourself up for something horrible to happen to you. Praise God. <clears throat> what if somebody does me wrong, Brother Grant? They will. They will. I'll assure you they will. <clears throat> you know, Jesus, when he gave the Sermon on the Mount, he said, now, if you bring your gift to the altar and you think that your brother has all against you, what do you do? You go to him alone. Is that right? You go to him how? Alone. And, and you leave your, your gift at the altar. You go to him alone. And you clear up the matter. That simply means that, <clears throat> let's just use uh, this for an example. If I've got something against Brother Chuck, does the Bible tell me that I should go to him? No, it doesn't either. I just wanted to wake you up. No, it doesn't say that. If I've got something against Brother Chuck, what should I do? If Brother Chuck doesn't know it, what should I do? I should repent over it and forget it. Because why go tell him that I've got ought against him if he doesn't have any idea anything's going on? Why stir it up? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that if I think he's got something against me, it becomes my responsibility to go to him. And say, now, Brother Chuck, I know that you've been acting a little bit indifferent when we're together. Now, I don't really know what the situation is. But if I'm offended you or whatever, let's talk about it, okay? What have I done? Brother Chuck said, well, it's like this, Brother Grant. And he tells me. I said, well, look, I'm sorry. I did do something wrong. Would you please forgive me? And I take and go back to the altar and I pray about it. Every now and then you'll just pick up some feelings against people. Don't go around apologizing all the time about having bad feelings because you stir up a lot of things you ought not stir up. Because sometimes they don't even know. Now I know of a few cases I've had people come to me and said, Brother so-and-so came to me and said, You know, I've had bad feelings against you for a long time. And I just want you... I want you to forgive me about the bad feelings. Well, I didn't know he had bad feelings, so I asked him what they were, and he says, well, never mind, just let it go. Now, that's bothering me. Well, see, that's not what the Bible says. See, if my brother has ought against me, if I feel he has ought against me. Now, the normal reaction is, Brother Chuck has some feelings against me, so as a result, he's been treating me a little indifferent. So, I don't go to him. I go to this brother over here. And I say, you know, Brother Chuck's been acting real strange to me. Then he shares it with his wife. And then his wife says, well, <coughs> I think we ought to pray about this. So, she goes and shares it with another sister. And the other sister shares it with her husband. Because it's always right, you know, to share it with somebody as close as your husband or wife, you know. You know how that goes. <coughs> 
So after a while, everybody knows about it. And then it becomes everybody's problem. But check in myself. You know what gossip is? Gossip is sharing detrimental information about somebody's character with somebody who is not a part of the problem nor the solution. That simply means if you're passing things that you can't do nothing about because it's none of your business, then it is none of your business and you ought to keep your mouth shut. That's plain, but I don't I guess I would know of another way. You should be quiet. I really want to be a little nasty about that, to tell you the truth. I, because you see, every now and then you've got to emphasize some things. I, I wouldn't want the wrath of God to be kindled against a person. See? So, what happens? Maybe somebody does do something wrong. Maybe you go to them, you can't get cleared up. Then what do you do? What do you do then? It's a trial to you. But the trial of your faith work with patience. Now, in other words, I can't clear it up, so what do I do? Nothing. Then it's just a trial. The wrath of God then will not be kindled against you. You just simply let it go. I mean, you've tried. You can't do anything, so why worry about it? While time does not cure sin, it does change our perspective relative to certain things. And after all, it's not you that has to answer for your brother. You answer for yourself. And you do all that you know to do. Now, <clears throat> as a result, it just might be then that, that you couldn't clear it up. So you, you just develop some bad feelings and you think about it all the time. And maybe you do share it with somebody. And all of a sudden, God begins to talk to you about it. And maybe God chastises you. He spanks you. He tries to wake you up. But nevertheless, you won't listen. So after a while, you know what happens? Your ears become deaf to that. And you can hear the voice of God. So you can sit on the phone at random and talk to who you want to talk to and gossip to who you want to. And it doesn't bother you at all. Then what's going to happen? The wrath of God will be kindled against an individual. Now God then is going to use somebody before he sends his wrath to talk to you about it. Why? He couldn't do it himself. So he'll send some prophet, when I say some prophet, he'll send somebody to preach the word of the Lord that'll, that'll preach like I'm preaching tonight. Or some relative, or some brother or sister that just in passing will say something. And, and you say, oh, wait a minute. You see, God is long-suffering. He doesn't like, he doesn't like to take action. He does it only when he has to. But you see, when the wrath of God fall, falls, there is anger or madness involved. You know what the prophet said about the judgment day? The Bible says there will come a day in which God will laugh at their calamities. 
In other words, they made God so mad he laughed. And I'll tell you one thing, when God laughs, friend, it ain't funny. Might not be good English, but it's good theology. <clears throat> Praise God. Would you believe my time's up? Praise God. Would you stand? Isn't the Lord good? <clears throat> Praise God, praise God, praise God. <clears throat> hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. We sung that chorus the other night about the will of the Lord. <clears throat> and I'd like to sing it again. Sister Grant, do you remember? We were in five flats or something. Switch it to two flats. Listen, I don't know a flat from what what else. <laughs> Praise God. He's turning you up, so you help us. Okay. I want to do thy will. Oh. something here and I'm going to say this and I know that I will not offend this individual when I say this but it, it has been probably six or eight months or more a brother came to me and he said uh, uh, I want to express something I've got a complaint and of course he had a complaint against the situation in the church and uh, wasn't uh, wasn't my, didn't, didn't have anything to do with me but 
He said, uh, now I want you to know, really this is not my complaint. He said, I'm only representing some people who have come to me. And I said, well, wait a minute. I don't want to hear what you're saying. He said, but it, it needs to be cleared up. I said, well, then you understand that it, it is a problem. In other words, it's your complaint. He said, no, not really. I don't make any difference to me. I said, well, then you go tell all of those people that you have talked to and all those people who have talked to you to not be doing that, that what they need to do is go right to the source and on an individual basis make their complaint. Don't ever represent a coalition of ideas. That's not right. Because the phone's been hot for days now, and you've been involved, and now you, you, you're going to be their leader to represent their problem. I said, don't do that. You're headed for real trouble. On an individual basis, if a man has a problem with somebody, he ought to go. But a whole group of people coming and saying, we have complaints? How did you ever get together anyway? What prompted all of you to, to get together that you discussed all this kind of stuff? How, how long did you spend? How many phone calls did you make? That's not the way you've settled problems. If this man had a complaint, he should have gone to the individual personally. If this sister had one, she should have gone. But 15 or 20 people getting together and having a little meeting and choosing you for a representative to go, I said, listen, you couldn't cut, cut me up in one-inch one squares and throw me in a situation like that. Listen, I'd be afraid. I'd be scared to death. You, you think I'd stand up and represent somebody else's complaint if that's not my own personal complaint? And I'll tell you, if it's mine, I'd have been knocking on the door of the individual before somebody else ever knocked on my door if it was, big, if it was a big enough deal to, for me to you know, to, to bring it to their attention. Praise God. This has not been a shouting service. It's a growing service. It's like eating liver and spinach. <clears throat> it's full of iron. Praise God. It's healthy for the blood. Healthy for the muscles that protein in it why because it's bible praise god don't you want to do the will of the lord let's find a place to kneel and pray as we sing it through once again i want to do thy will O lord i want to do thy will you to take me, break me, mold me and make me, I want to do thy will, O Lord, I want to do thy will, O I want to do thy will, O oh Lord.
want you to take me and break me, mold me and make me, I want to do thy will. Oh, Lord, I want to do.